Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Over the Bar podcast. As always, you're home for all things U.S. men's national team, U.S. soccer, and uh, maybe a little international soccer sprinkled in there, too. But as always, we are, we are back. It is your host, Noah, co-host Noah, and I've got with me another one of my lovely co-hosts, Sumer. Sumer, how are we doing today, man? Busy, busy week, eh? Hey, yeah. Uh, good, good, couple of, good couple of days there with some U.S. men's national team games. Love to see it. Besides that, the world's kind of dry in terms of, uh, in terms of things in soccer related, at least U.S. men's national team related. But uh, hey, we had two strong competitive friendlies there, and I was excited to see them. And some good, some bad, some some not so good, some not so whatever you want to call it. But uh, it was just nice to see them back out there, and love seeing so many starters. I, I definitely missed seeing our boys play. Like it is just anytime I can see Christian Pulisic out on the field bands and I can see Weston McKenney getting minutes back. Timmy Weah just taking, taking guys on, making people look silly. Like it's just, it picks something in the back of my brain, you know? Yeah. You know what it's when it hit, when a U.S. men's national team game day comes, you know, it just it hits a little bit different, you know, it's like, okay. I mean, even, you know, it's a friendly, whatever, but like, it just, it's like, all right, cool. We don't always get to see this. They play so sparingly. Like, let's go. Well, unless you play in unless unless you live in Ohio, in which case you get to see them every other week. Mm, facts, Ohio, mm, all over. I don't know why they don't try out other cities though. I know Athens has has a decent stadium there that could probably <laughs> hold it. Um, you know, there's there's a bunch of other cities there in, in Ohio that could really use a game. So honestly, I that think that's right. I don't think we've played enough games in Ohio, frankly. If we're yeah, if we're being honest, for the for this population of Ohio. We're not, we shouldn't stop until at least every single person has been to at least once in a national team game. I think minimum for sure. For sure. No, but in then, all seriousness. But no, I want to ask. And then what state do you go to next? That's the real question. You know, once Ohio's done, Kansas? No, never leave Ohio. Never leave the Midwest. So maybe Kansas City. Maybe, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. I think that the atmosphere at Kansas City was very, very good. I, I, I loved watching that game against Uruguay with that atmosphere, but. Yeah, it's it's definitely a topic of conversation, man. Why are we not playing games outside the Midwest? You know the uh, the Cascadia region hasn't gotten a game since like 2013. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, and it's a topic at all times. I mean, they're going to Austin, but they they were at Austin during World Cup qualifying, and I love Austin's stadium and I love Austin's vibe, and I've never been there, but heard great things and want to go. But you know, there's some other stadium. Why hasn't Why isn't Nashville getting a game? This stadium is brand new, spanking new. Why not give them a game? Last time you played there was Nissan Stadium, what, versus Mexico? No, wait, no, they played against they they played against Canada in Nashville. That was in Nashville, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure. Are you talking this season, World Cup qualifiers? Yeah, where was that? I don't think home? so. I think that the Canada game might have I think it was Cincinnati. Wasn't really. Yeah, no, I don't know. It was one of the first ones, but in in any in any event, I I think, yeah, that's a that's a definitely much bigger conversation for multiple podcasts. I don't even think it's worth a conversation at this point. Just just do it, USSF. Just, I mean, there's only it. there's only there's only three home matches left potentially until the World Cup, so I don't really care that much as long as our uh, players are getting paid and they're happy. Then <clears throat> uh, you know things will be fine. I agree with that. I agree with that, man. Um. No, let's jump into it. A lot of, lot of news to, to go along with. We'll start it off a little bit. Um, some, some lesser known news, but it's always good to put this at the kind of the front of the podcast so more people hear definitely. The U19s 
Uh, just definitely give us a little bit of a preview of what the, uh, the older boys are going to do to do to England in the World Cup, eh? Oh, for sure. For sure. If anyone didn't see a little, little uh, U.S. youth national team, you know, games going on right now in Spain, I believe they play England and then Norway. Uh, or did they, I, think, I think they played Norway first, actually. I think but so, they yeah. beat England today uh, 2-1. Uh, goal scorers, I forget who, who were they. Um, geez, it was the Atletico Madrid player. And the Atletico Madrid player, uh, Rodrigo Neri scored the goal, and then Corendi Osundia. I butchered that name, but he actually plays for Orange County, uh, out in California. Um, so two young players there, obviously, uh, a bunch of young players all over that team Orlando City young players, Houston Dynamo, a lot of MLS players. Um, but yeah, just nice to see that dub over England and a little bit of showing what's going to happen in November. Like you said, ah, it's going to be perfect. I can't wait. Black Friday cannot come soon enough. So just yeah. put these Brits right where they, right where they belong. Yeah. Go to Best Buy in the morning, get, get the cheap price on the, on the, on the flat screen, you know, and then I'll, you know, I'll buy some, buy someone a Christmas gift also maybe somewhere and then head home. Quick game, quick game, quick dub. Exactly. Exactly. You know how it is. Um, other news. The Gaga Slanina Real Madrid transfer rumors seem to be really, really heating up. I know that. What was it? What did, what did he come out and directly say it? Or his agent came out and said it that like he, he's kind of looking to go there? Or who was it yeah, specifically? His, his agent, I believe, is the one who was like, oh, I hope that Chicago Fire can, can make Gaga's dream come true of Real Madrid. Like basically saying like, don't get in the way here. Like make this happen. I mean, that'd be crazy if it does. If it does happen and he goes there and, you know, that, that'd be awesome to see. Have we ever had an American at Real Madrid before? Not that I can remember. What would, all right, so, so genuinely though, Samir, like what would, because there, there is, and, and, and this is, you know, we can do, do a little brief topic on this one, but what are your thoughts on a, a Gaga transfer to Real Madrid if it happens? Like I've got some, some genuine thoughts that I, I have on it terms of where I see it, how good I think of a move it is, what I would like to see happen if it did go through, all that kind of stuff. But but first of all, I'll turn it to you. I mean, it's a little bit mixed. I mean, I understand the points of view of many of, you know, he needs the game time to continue developing. Uh, but then on, you know, devil's advocate, look at I don't how how bad of a position is Real Madrid be to be at, you know, when you're developing, like how bad of a place is that? We've seen lots of players go through that system. Many, I'm sure, got lost. Many have succeeded, you know, and gone elsewhere to succeed. You know, Fabinho, Hakimi, um, uh, Juan Mata, just, just, you know, Reguillon. Like so many players have left Real Madrid B team and gone on to succeed. I don't think it's a bad place to develop. I'll tell you that. I, I can't say that it's a bad place to be working on your craft and to really get a sense of the highest degree of professional soccer and what it takes to, to get to that point. Will he get to that point with them? That's really tough to say because they can splash 50, 70 million at any moment. But um, I personally don't think it's a bad place for him to go and develop. I, I think that it, there could be a lot of rewarding aspects and uh, that come out of it. I would, I would agree with a lot of those points. I think that, that obviously there are worse places to, to play in a developmental league, worse places to to play in a, in a secondary squad. That is my main fear though, that you just outlined that, that, you know, how, how much of a rea- like a, a legit chance does he have to break into that squad ever? If Real Madrid are a team who can just go spend 50 million on the next top property, that's, that's kind of what they do unless you are something special. And that's just the nature of playing for Real Madrid. I, 
I would like, I think if it does go through, I would like to see him, them work out something with Chicago fire to loan him back for a couple seasons. I think, especially now at this stage of his career, the more games he gets under his belt, the better his ceiling is going to be eventually, because that's what we're, we have to also, you know, keep that in mind when we're talking about Gaga, we're not talking about floor. We're talking about ceiling because the floor right now is not Real Madrid level, not even relatively close. The floor right now is, is, is some could say, isn't even really MLS level. I mean, it is obviously he's got a, a starting job locked down there, but obviously we've seen how young he is, how error prone he can be. And there's a lot of room to grow there. So, you know, anything he can do to get more playing time, I think at this moment in time would be great. So that's why I would love to see a lone move back if it did go through. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing is like, also like how many places in Europe could you see him going and really competing for the starting job? I think he, like you said, has a tremendous ceiling and is built like the ultimate goalkeeper if I could build one in FIFA 22. Um, but I just, I think he will get there. I don't know if he's there yet. Not even speaking on Real Madrid. I'm just talking on basis of like sliding into a European team. But also, contrary, maybe he understands like I'm making this move. They're, they're seeing my potential. I might be going over to a team, whether it be Real Madrid or, or, or whoever. Not many 18-year-old goalkeepers start anywhere in the world, so I know that I'm going to have to go through a year or two to develop. Might as well be over there. Making, you know, we, we you know we say it, like we say it like we don't want to say it, but making some some real cash. And oh no, I think that's certainly part of it. That's what I mean, and and from his perspective, especially like, yeah, Real Madrid okay. offers you, you know. 200,000 a month, something like that. I mean, that's crazy, but like, that's yeah, but even, you know, 25 grand a month. They're offering you some, some nice ass contract to come there and develop and really learn from some of the greatest players in the world and, and, and train against shots. Imagine if he's training against those guys every day, bro. Imagine if he's like the second or third, he's the third goalkeeper there and just, just raking in experience. And then after a year or two, when he's 20, he leaves and finds somewhere else to go. I'd be like, okay. Cause that's, I mean, that's what we're looking for with him. We're looking towards 2026. So it just depends on how, how you see his development right? and what you think is best for him. There's totally different perspectives. It's up to him. It seems as if he seems like he's ready to go to Europe and wants to develop over there. Yeah. Guys, we would love to hear all of your takes on this one. I think yeah, the Gaga Selena take is, is something that is kind of, I think is going to only heat up more. So definitely give us a shout on Twitter and let us know what you think on this one um, at OTB underscore pod official. Give us a shout. We, we definitely want to know uh, what you guys think on this one because this is a big, a big conversation. Yeah. Hashtag Gaga Watch. Hashtag Gaga Watch. I like it. Let's get it trending. Um, any more news you wanted to, to really bring up, Sumer, or want to just nah, get right into, I mean, into coverage? I mean, I was just going to re- mention the blasphemy, Liverpool, and Pulisic rumors um, before we get into Morocco. But, yeah, there's obviously some rumors heating up there. I think rumors are always heat up in regards to Klopp and Pulisic. And I do see that. I do think that he could succeed to an extent, um, but I just don't see him moving. It'll be weird. I, I, I saw one, like, Chelsea fans are so excited for him to be sold. Like, oh, sell Pulisic, sell Pulisic, sell Pulisic. And then the rumors came to him to Liverpool, and they're like, oh, no, no, not there, not there, not there. Like, you can't, do, you can't have a both. Well, because players. they all know he's only 23 years old, and, and, and he still has a lot of time to grow, and he's actually a decent player. Yeah, I, I don't understand the bias against him from Chelsea fans. They're like, nah, he's terrible, except he would be very good with Liverpool to, like, stop. Like, we'll have yeah. him. If you want to sell him, we'll take him. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll oh. take you, 
But all is good. All is all is very good, especially after this round of friendlies, man. Uh, two friendlies, one against Morocco on oh by Thursday, Thursday, yeah, Thursday. One against Morocco. Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Damn, Wednesday. One against Morocco last Wednesday, and one against Uruguay on Sunday. Let's talk about Morocco first, because I think there was a lot to well, there was a lot to learn from both of these games. I think uh, Morocco, we ended up beating them three nothing. Probably wasn't a three nothing game on the balance of play, but you know, comprehensive in some aspects, questionable in some aspects too. Uh, first initial thoughts from that Morocco game when you saw it, Samir. I mean, similar to what, what you said, you know, I was really happy with some things going forward. Um, you know, the, the play between with Aronson in the eight, uh, way I was continuously strong. Christian looked like, you know, you know, team of the season in form card Pulisic. It, it was really strong up front. I really liked it. I thought Tyler Adams was pinging some balls and I was like, whoa, okay. Um, defensively, obviously, there was times where we just looked out of sorts. I'm sure we were maybe trying some different things. Yeah. Like you said, it wasn't a three, nothing game. They obviously nailed a PK off the crossbar, which Paul doesn't lie. That wasn't a PK, but they still had the PK. Um, and they had a few other chances as well, but we held our own and we battled through them still getting chances to still have the confidence to go straight back the other way and bag some goals. Those strikers really have some confidence way. Pulisic, um, Ferreira is still a question mark, but like I said, I was really happy with some of the ability going forward defensively, a little bit more of a question mark in that match. Yeah, I, I would say that's about, about where I have it too. Um, my, I think that we, we grew into the game, grew into the game defensively. First 15, 20 minutes were a bit shaky. I, I, I think that some of the positioning was a little weird. Definitely could tell it was the first time, you know, back in the starting lineup for a lot of guys. I mean, Aaron Long didn't look great in that first half. I, I will say for him, for his credit, stepped up in the second half and, and, and played a, a relatively decent second half. But organizationally, definitely a lot of question marks in that first half. Um, or in the first, when I say first half, it's pretty much the first 20, 25, or 15, 20 minutes of that first half. Yeah, you could definitely see some defensive uh, positioning, you know, on many of the switches, like what was the exact plan, you know, why were certain players wide open and what were we going to do in result to that? Was it Reggie Cannon? There just looked to be a little small miscommunication. That doesn't mean that, you know, that will always happen, but there was clearly those moments happening in that match. Um, Yeah, Aaron Long looked... Okay. I, I mean, I still, like, I still, obviously, I still think he's a strong defender. I think maybe he could, with John Brooks being exiled, maybe could have a spot at, towards the end of the, the depth chart, but not my number two next to Walker necessarily. I, I agree. I, I think that this team is crying out for Chris Richards at the moment. Um, and that could be said for the whole camp, right? But in terms of Morocco specifically, I, I didn't have too many issues. I mean, look, the first half, other than that first, you know, really 15, 20, 25 minutes, somewhere in that, when we looked shaky defensively, we're getting caught out in transition. I I don't have – my problem with Aaron Long is not necessarily ability-wise. It's – I mean, it is, but it's skill set more than anything for me. Um, It's it's, can he be a ball-playing center back like we want to? Can he be switched on in transition like we want our center backs to be? Can he be athletic enough? 
you know, can he read the game well enough? And, and I think all of these things is, are, 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 are things that others can do better. But in terms of, you know, the other side of the field and, and a, the 15, 20 minute mark, I, I'll, I keep coming back to it because I saw a real shift, a guy who I really saw a shift in. And I know you, you just said this too, Brendan Aronson. It took him 15, 20 minutes to get into the game. But then after that, I, he bossed that midfield against Morocco. Yeah. And, and, and one thing I love about him also is he's not afraid to get stuck in. There's a few times that he was really laying out a tackle um, for, for a timid guy, not a timid guy, for, for a guy on the smaller end of, uh, of things in terms of weight and height. He does not really care about his body too much, which I love. Um, but yeah, he was, he was electric and like, there was definitely a, a shift in momentum and towards the, you know, we, they came at us the first few, you know, 15 minutes, like you mentioned, uh, and then switched it a little bit on. Now they still had their chances throughout the game, but we finally started creating a little bit as well. Yeah. And, and so let's, let's talk about that midfield a little bit sooner, actually, because I think that that was. Obviously, it was one of the first times we've seen us depart from the MMA midfield, the Musa McKenney Adams midfield, or some variant of it, right? I.e., throwing in Acosta for Adams or throwing in Acosta for, you know, Musa or Luca Della Torre for Musa. It's some variant of, of you know, uh, a six and two real yeah. box, the box eight. So throwing Brendan in there to play the eight, but to play a, a, a more free eight. And, and an eight with a license to, to really get forward more and an eight with his skill set, frankly, is what we're really trying to say. I think it, it, it did wonders to suggest that we can play through the middle if we want to. That's been a real weakness of this team is the ability to create through the center of the park. And I didn't see that against Morocco. And, and that was one of my main question marks going into it. And I'm really, really happy that that, that kind of got sorted. Him, yeah, for sure. Adding a player of Aronson's skill set to the middle, also Geo's skill set, and, you know, we're referring to a little bit of the combining in the middle with Pulisic and Wea, who are great at combining as well, and Ferreira can drop back and, and combine as well. Um, it added a little bit. Weston's fantastic at a lot of different things, you know, but more not so much as combining in terms of Aronson is what I feel. So I was really happy to see that as well in, in terms of just uh, Aronson at the eight. I'm so happy that he tried it. So that was just beautiful to see. Yeah, I, I, I think. I, I mean, there's not really much else to say other, other than that. Honest, and I just, it's, it's nice. I mean, I want to ask you, I want to ask you um, besides Aronson. All right. So obviously, what did you think of Matt Turner? I thought Matt Turner was great. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit of a strange it's a bit of a strange one to say, and this is maybe where I think people who are just looking at the scoreline, it might be a little deceiving. Um, it's weird to have a 3 nothing win and have your goalkeeper be up there for man of the match. And, and so I think, you know, that speaks a lot to, to the, 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 A, the level that Matt Turner is playing at right now. And, and it's great. It eight saves. Yeah. It eight saves. Which is phenomenal. And he made a couple of really great saves too. Um, oh my God, I'm trying to think of the one. Who did he Perry, rob that one? Well, the header uh, that that beat Cameron Carter Vickers in the second half. Who did he save that off of? Mm, I don't know. I don't remember. But speaking of Cameron, though, great to see some some debuts, huh? 
Yeah. I thought Haji was I thought Haji was beautiful in combination. I loved seeing him out there. Malik Tillman, Cameron Carter Vickers, Scally. I love seeing all of those guys. What do you think of the of some of the new guys coming in there? Varying performances, I think for sure. But I mean, obviously great to see all these guys come in there and I think only three debuts. Um, Cameron Carter Vickers was not Cameron Carter Vickers was not yeah, a yeah, debut. Yeah. It was a Greg debut, but um, great to see. I think a lot of these guys look. Let's let's start with Haji, right? Because this is gonna you know kind of lead into a, a bigger discussion about the nine. It seems like we're always having discussions about the nine, but it, it was something different to Ferreira, and I think. You know, goal aside, it's a penalty. It was, it was, a, it was a well put away penalty. But I, I think that, you know, don't let that skew your perspective of each of these players. Ferrer scores that penalty too, nine times out of ten. So, I think the difference between their play in, is in terms of play styles. I think Haji offers so much more in terms of hold up play. I was really, really impressed with his hold up and combination play. You know, playing oh, yeah. back to goal during that run. Oh yeah. Ferreira's good at that too, but Haji can definitely battle a little bit more uh, to some center backs behind him, you know, depending on Roman Saiz, you know, to players like that behind him. Haji was combining well. Some of the some of the passes he had too were impressive, just the way he got his foot around him and played him to the middle. I liked on the one where Aronson had the uh, the breakaway chance, uh, where Pulisic played him in and we had that long spell of possession. That came from a like that final pass to Pulisic came from Haji, like really weirdly with a man on behind him talking it to the middle. And I, I was like, Whoa, that was, that was nice. And so I think that's the difference between their style of holdup play. Right. And, and, and maybe where I see a large difference between Haji and, and Ferreira, I think Ferreira can hold up the ball when he doesn't have pressure on his back, I think. And this is maybe, you know, alluding a little bit too much to the Uruguay game and we'll get into that, but I think Ferreira struggles when and you saw it even sometimes in that game too. He struggles in hold-up play when you know the defender is is tight to his back, when he doesn't have time to to take the ball, turn, and pick a pass. When he does, he's a very technical player. Or when the space is being closed down actively, but he has still that time to receive the ball, he's a very technical player. He can turn and find a great pass. Haji, on the other hand, is 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 an absolute body, and and it felt like was was more akin to the traditional number nine style of of holding it up where your back is to the defender, you're creating the space on your own with your frame and, and drawing players in to be able to lay something off. And, and that to me was something that was really unique in our striker pool. Would you say you saw it better from Haji than you have PFOC? You know, people may compare those two in terms of uh, height, speed, strength. I do think Haji has some speed and I will want to say I do. I did really enjoy some of his runs as well. Mm. Um, I thought he was receiving the ball pretty well, but yeah, you'd, you would, you'd say he's better at that with us that you've seen than PFOC. Yeah. And I think a lot of that goes to, to kind of what you alluded to there, right? Like that he has that, that aspect of mobility to him too, that he's not just a big body. He is a big body that can move. He's, 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 he's got a lot of, well, mobility. Yeah. He's got some speed in behind. He can. And so when you have that dual threat, right, that can come short, but then easily spin off of you, you create that space for yourself with Ferreira who doesn't necessarily have that breakaway speed in behind. If he drops short, a defender can easily follow because they know he's not going to be so long as they have cover, obviously from flanking wings, they, the defender doesn't have to drop there because they're not a, afraid of a Ferreira turning in behind. And that's just a difference in skill set. Whereas as Haji Wright can, can often combine the, it felt like in that Morocco game anyway, could often combine that, 
sturdy hole-up play would be ability to be mobile and spin off the back. Agreed. Agreed. And yeah, I liked, I liked Haji a lot. Um, I thought talk the other another, debut. I was, yeah, was going to say, debut. I was going to say yeah. Malik. I oh, was, Malik? Or you want to go, both of them. Malik, um, I thought, like many talked about, kind of grew into the game a little bit. Um, but he's a, an eight who's interesting. You can kind of see his ability and you can see some of his IQ. I wasn't seeing it all materialize in that match mm-hmm. uh, into any, into anything, but uh, I still liked what I saw in terms of just his speed of play a little bit. You know, he was really trying to move at a, at a nice speed and just, I don't know. I, I could kind of see that engine a little bit in him for sure. Yeah. In that no, match. I know. I, 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 th- I think that's, that's right. And I'm definitely, definitely interested to see him play more. I think in these nations league games, I, I really hope he gets some more minutes. Um, there were flashes, is what I could say. He's still of, raw. Yeah, raw. And, and you know, within this team, obviously, this is his first time he's been around these guys. First time he's trained with them. He came straight from the Germany U21, so he hasn't even been through the youth system, really. Um, look, it, it's, it's, it wasn't a great performance. It wasn't a bad performance. If you get 25 minutes, it's hard to judge really anything. But I could say, what I could say is that there were, there were certainly flashes of okay, there's something here. If this kid has time to develop, time to grow within the player pool and, and could definitely offer something based on his, his versatility, I think is the, the best way to go about it. Soccer IQ. I, I love that you use that word because I think Malik Tillman has that in abundance. Another player who has that, I mean, I don't mean to stray off of the debutants, but another sub, Luca, just continuously uh, writing his name, his full name. Right now it's wrote Luca De La on the on the roster for the for Canada, <laughs> I'm sorry for Qatar, but he's he's close to writing the Tory at the end of that. I was very impressed with him as a six. I I think it offered a different style of play to the six that maybe this team has been crying out for. If we're able to, there's some there's some uh, uh, positional fluidity here, as we like to call it. I mean, I'm not going to say that it happens, but if if there's the what if Luca's our backup six and, and Kellen's not needed and now we call up another eight? And I mean, even if we need a six to be, go in there to be like a destroyer, Weston could probably, or Eunice could drop in to just be like the destroyer that we need. If we need a six, that's going to be more creative than Luca. But obviously our starting six is Tyler. You have a backup depending on kind of uh, what you mainly, what, what you prefer and you want from that six. I don't know, just something there. Oh, ab- absolutely. And I think you're, you're kind of seeing that. And this is why we constantly advocate in these rosters for diversity and skill set because any time that you can you can you know more dictate your roster no sorry not your roster your, your lineup based on the opposition and based on the style that you assume to get during that game the better likelihood you have of getting something out of that game so to bring in you know two defensive midfielders who are exactly identical or two wingers who are exactly identical when there's different skill sets that you can potentially bring in or, or is something we've, it's something I anyway, have never advocated for because of situations exactly like this. We realized that we might have something here with Luca in a different role to be less of a destructive defensive midfielder and more of, of somebody who can progress the ball from the final or from the, the defensive third to the, to the middle third, find a breaking pass, find a line breaking pass, control the tempo, like, all these things that we know Luke can do, I, I feel like we're just accentuated from that number six role. Yeah, it was impressive. He controls the game very well. His movement off the ball, I mean, there was uh, there was a comp I saw, I forget, I was watching of his, 
and they just had to keep speeding up because in the same play, he had just touched it like six different times. It was just moving off the ball and repeating, getting the ball and finding the next pass and boom, boom, boom. And as a player playing against a player like Luca, who's just continuously getting on the ball, continuously changing the angle, continuously looking for that breaking pass. It is so annoying. You know, as a center back, I'd much prefer you be a pretty one dimensional. Oh, he didn't get the ball. We're dumping it long. Luca. No, every time. Slide in the space. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. Rotating it. Boom. I'm sure they hate me. Bye. Run past you. Uh, you know, so annoying to play against. Nah, I, 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 I can't agree with that enough. And it just his ability to control that tempo, man, is, is delightful. Um, another guy who looked like kind of just slotted in a bit naturally. Cameron Carter Vickers. I, I would love to see what you thought from him because I mean, I think everybody in that Morocco game had one or two shaky moments, and Carter Victor certainly had his fair share. Um, not a lot more than anybody else played. He played 45 minutes, uh, came on for Walker Zimmerman at halftime. But I think other than that one where he was beat on, on the header that Matt Turner ended up saving, which I actually think Aaron Long is a bit to blame there as well. But other than that, I, I really didn't notice Cameron Carter-Vickers putting a foot wrong, and he, he almost looked the best center back on the field when he when he came on. Oh yeah, he's he. I I mean, I you know, I, I go Tigers, baby, go LSU, LSU forever, go Tigers. Uh, you know, big Cameron Carter-Vickers, LSU dad, father, whatever you want to call it. But uh, no, I was very happy with his performance. Obviously, there was that one one play, but if we're gonna knack on a player for one play, um, I will give credit the ball in and the run from the striker. Uh, starting back, coming forward, then going right back, and the ball being spot on. So many times you see, like, that is, like, exactly what you want to see from forwards, making the run before the ball's even plays and played, and both them just knowing, I'm peeling off this defender here. This is where you need to put the ball. Uh, you know, so it was, it was a great play from them. I'll give them that. But, yeah, one, one, one play there. Besides that, like, you're, like you said, I thought he was really strong. I thought his passing was, was strong to Musa. I thought he was confident in that, and not just whipping it around the back, even when Musa might have had somebody or Tyler – or Luca had somebody, he was like, no, nah, you know, I'm going to play this pass and be a little confidence because that's what's going to break us, you know, through these lines type of thing. Um, I personally really like Cameron, and I think he should be probably one of the five um, there in Qatar. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it based on that. I mean, I think it's going to be another guy who is going to be really interesting to see. I hope he sticks around for Nations League. I have no reason to think that he won't stick around for Nations League. I know some guys are leaving, but I... I'm really interested to see how he plays. I mean, obviously, we're not going to learn much from this Grenada game, but just to see, obviously, if he looks comfortable and, and all that sort of stuff. To get let me see. Let me see some long passes. Let me see some just straight up like pocketing. Like if you know, I want to see him pocket some players and just just destroy. So yeah, it was really nice to see Cameron and hope to see more from him and Eric mm. uh, Palmer Brown in these next few matches. But yeah. yeah, I mean that. Yeah, anything else you you got to say on Morocco? Like you know, obviously we played well. Um, the nine position still a question mark. Um, Aaron Long played, a, you know, coming back. Reggie Cannon, you know, coming back after a little while getting there. That was a good game. Yeah, it was a great game. I mean, last thing I want to want to say about that: what a goal by Pulisic, or what an assist by Pulisic. Excuse me, uh, to set up Brandon Aronson for that goal. I, I mean, that is a touch of class right there, and that shows you that that I mean, not a lot of players can do what Christian Pulisic did. And taking that ball down, taking down a, a 65-yard pass from Walker Zimmerman, which was pinpoint, by the way, something we don't give Walker Zimmerman a lot of credit for here is, is, is playing out from the back. And I, I think there's a difference between playing long balls and being able to play out from the back. But in any case, what a ball that was from Zimmerman and, and the touch to bring it down from Pulisic. Just, just wow. 
it's, it's worldy. I mean, we didn't talk about the three goals, and I won't talk about them too much. But yeah, Walker Zimmerman's ball to Pulisic to composure to Aronson, beautiful. Tim Weah's strike. That's what I want. Hit him, bro. I don't care. Hit him. It had a little bit of swerve on it. Should have been saved, sure. But like, so should have uh, the U.S. men's national team shot against Rob Green in the 2010 World Cup. Shit happens. Um, things go in. So I want you to hit it when you can. And Aronson's, you know, to shot where Pulisic got the ball and drew the PK again. You know, all three goals were I really liked. Obviously, that wasn't the goal that was the cause of the PK, but all three movements for the goals were really nice. Definitely, I I I completely agree. Now then, so obviously we come off this this rather high against Morocco, which I I don't think that Morocco they weren't good. That's also a caveat to this too. Obviously, you know. This Morocco team is is a good team, but that they did not play well at all. I think there there were issues all over the field defensively. From Morocco looked just everywhere. But anyway, it's a great result, and then and 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 we went into that night and watched Mexico get smashed by Uruguay, which was uh, gorgeous. And then Sunday rolls around, and we draw nil nil to Uruguay. Initial thoughts, Sumer. I want I want to hear them on that Uruguay game. I mean, I'm really happy that we still have not gone behind in a U.S. men's national team match at home in a long time. I'm really happy that we've never lost to Uruguay at home in a match. I'm just kidding. Those things don't actually matter that much to me. Um, the Uruguay game was obviously a total spin of, of uh, emotions a little bit. Um, much more of a boring game, if I was to say, from a, just a neutral kind of like, not boring, but you know, it wasn't as eventful in terms of obviously there was no goal scored. But um, Again, some some good and bad performances. I thought Uruguay was both of us were playing kind of like a not starting team, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I have mixed opinions about it. I'd love to hear you more. Well, first, first, I'll ask you: nil nil, fair result on the end of the day. Not that we were really analyzing this for results, right? I mean, obviously, I, I think we we're looking more towards performances and, and seeing how things go. But I mean, Ferreira had a few close chances, you know, in the first half that I thought could have. And, you know, materialize into something maybe. Um, I mean, I thought they had some 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 really good chances. Darwin Nunes is past to Cavani where he just misses the tap in basically. Probably should have been a goal against us. They obviously had their their Sean Johnson save where he saves it off the line where I don't think he knows anything about that ball, but great save. And, you know, there's a knack for being in the right place at the right time for goalkeepers as well. Um, so they probably should have scored, to be honest. Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, nil-nil or one nothing Uruguay would have been, you know, the fair fair result at the end of the day. But look. Screw Uruguay, they cheated. <laughs> sometimes you got to get bailed out, and sometimes you got to make seven subs to get a nil-nil draw against the United States. So, eh, here we are. No, the, I, I'd say those are kind of my thoughts, too. I, I'd say, you know, there was a lot. There was a lot of emotions going on in that game before the game as well. Uh, I think some questionable decisions made by Greg Bearhalter before the game. Starting lineup raised a few eyebrows in a couple spots and also drew a few smiles in a couple spots too. Um, and then, you know, as the game went on, I, I think it was almost a tale of two halves. I think that the U.S. looked better in the much better in the first half than they did in the second half, uh, created much more chances in the, in the first half and the second half, and then there's one player that we'll get to later why, that I think is the, the main culprit. I was just going to say. The main cause of, of why our chance creation stopped or why it was good in the first place. Um, we'll get to that. But 
Yeah, uh, a little bit of a disappointing performance, all things considered. But but look, I think you have to to take it as a learning experiment. Experience. Hopefully, the players, you know, learn something individually playing at that at that caliber. Uruguay B team is still a, a phenomenal team, and then to play those last thirty minutes against virtually their A team, it you know it's a learning experience, and and hopefully the players learn something. Hopefully, the coaching staff learns something, and and you know we can move forward as a better unit from there. But at the end of the day, that's what these friendlies are supposed to be. Yeah, I'll say I'll start with a few uh, negativos just from the match on my end. Obviously, looking at this match, not being naive, obviously, you know, the topic right now of everyone is that Scali didn't have a great game. And he did it. He did obviously mm-hmm. look off the pace. Um, I mean, I hope no one forgets all the games they saw him playing for Gladbach this season in the Bundesliga at the age of whatever, 19, and doesn't forget that this guy has a lot of potential. And a great point that people were making on Twitter about, you know, this is exactly the treatment Robinson got after Brazil. Um, people holding these, these games. This was Scali's first ever start for the U.S. men's national team in a game against Uruguay, against, you know, going up against uh, Nunes and, and Godin and Jimenez and Caceres. And, oh, wait, we need to sub a center back. Let's just put in Sebastian Coates, you know, former, you know, how many World Cups has he been? It was a tough, it was always going to be a tough game for him. I don't know if this was a, put him in for success type of thing. Um, but I hope he gets Granada and El Salvador to, to really build that up. But yeah, he didn't have a great game, but I still see a lot of positional fluidity from him. And I mean, how much did Yedlin really do, you know, for us as well? I didn't think, you know, his was a phenomenal performance at all, but just wanted to mention Scali and get that out the way. Oh yeah. And I, and I think it's, it's certainly worth mentioning um, because yeah, we have, we have to be honest about these players that we, that we don't, that we like as well as we have to be honest about the players that we're not sure we, we, we like there. And I love Joe Scally. Um, I think one positive note about Joe Scally, and, and it's not really a Joe Scally thing, but a positive note relating to Joe Scally, Greg Bearholder, um, with the confidence in Joe Scally to give him the start at left back and then put him over to right back at around 60 minutes. I think it's great to see from Greg, and it, it's, it's great to see from a Scally perspective that he has that faith in the coach. And, and, and I think, look, there's a, there's, there's going to be a part. And for there, sure. is, there is a part of, of us Twitter. It feels like that has been rooting for the kid to fail. And I don't get that. He's a 19 year old. And just cause you know, you, 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 there's a perceived Euro snob ism around him. Like seems like a lot of guys on Twitter are rooting for him to fail and writing off a guy, writing off the kid after one start. I think it's ridiculous, but Euro snobs are not Joe Scally should be, is going to be in the team. Euro snobs are like Emmanuel Sabi needs to be in the team. Like that's a Euro snob if they're saying that, but, uh, but yeah, like you said, I, I don't think he should be written off at all. And like you said, the, the fact that he switched over to right back shows Greg, you know, also sees that potential in him uh, to be able to switch, you know, both sides. And he also was getting these, this minutes over Bello who was right there in camp as well. Um, and another left back option. So was really good to see him get those minutes and be trusted at least to play in there for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's stay on negatives while we're at it. Um, I would say that the, the back line in general was a negative. And I, and I say that less so about the players. I mean, I, I think all of the players were particularly not great. Walker Zimmerman, I think was, was the only one that was maybe a bit of a shining light in there. I thought Walker Zimmerman held his own for the most part against Darwin Nunez and Edison Cavani when he came on. And, and that was, you know, 
a lot of the times when Walker Zimmerman got caught out was because of the next point that I'm going to make, which is kind of what I mean by defense, by the defense is defensive transition. Wow. Uh, kind of what we thought we were going to get from Uruguay. And, and we didn't really live up to the challenge a lot of the time of being able to defend in transition, dealing with the speed at which Uruguay broke and switched flanks. A lot of the times we just looked switched off. We didn't know when to challenge if the press broke down. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, they were really pressing us up high at, you know, towards the, you know, in the beginning of the match and throughout the match. And obviously our back line was not built to, to, to withstand that and break out of that as well as we wanted and wished, wished they would have. So one building out of the press was a struggle for sure. Sean Johnson, as much as he had those saves, struggled in his in some passing for sure. There was two minutes before in the in the, in the beginning of the match where I was like, "Whoa!" Oh, he just gave you him know, a corner at one point too. Like, so you know, Sean Johnson on foot mob is listed as the man of the match, but don't get me wrong, he had some errors as well uh, with the feet. Um, yeah, the back line wasn't as strong as I would have wanted. One from Scally. Two from, I don't think, Long had a fantastic game. Uh, Zimmerman, like you said, shined out. And Yedlin is probably going to be there whether we want it or not. And I think he brings a lot of values. But I um, thought he played okay. And Eric Palm Brown, when he came in, I, I didn't think was particularly good either. Especially in the build-out, like you mentioned. Uh, something that you know we, we, we think that we have been told and, and we've seen that Eric Palmer Brown is typically pretty good at is, is building out from the back under a press. Uh, wasn't particularly great in that, but I I think my I was referring more to to, and I'm glad you brought up the our our inability to play out of the back. I think somebody who you failed to mention in that inability too is Tyler Adams. Um, I I think you know Tyler once again showed that he has as as great as he is as a defensive minded CDM, as somebody who's going to destroy and break up play and press. Showed some limitations, I think, with again with his his ability on the ball, which is maybe why we allude to Luca as being kind of a great revelation. Yeah, I mean, this is something we've known of Tyler, but you know, we saw a little bit more of it. I also saw him. I thought he, I thought he got beat a little bit too aggressive at some points as well. Um, and when he gets beat, a lot of things start to the domino effect because he's right there uh, and crucial. Yeah, wasn't the strongest of games from him, um, in my perspectives, in terms of building out for sure. I would say it's a well, it's a very just Tyler game. Like I didn't even think it was that bad of a game. It's just that to me is that to me is who Tyler is. I was just player. referring to you know mainly the build out. Um, no, I know. I to, so I guess my question for you, sorry, I don't mean to keep interrupting. I, my question for you with Tyler then is that like, does he have a level above that when it comes to building out under under a press? I mean, I personally think he can. I, I think he he has the ability to 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 an extent. He's not going to be maybe what we see in terms of building out from Luca and getting on the ball that much and beating players off the dribble and you know spinning off them type of thing from that position. But you know the IQ to make the right pass, I believe, is there, and to, to you know to rotate the ball between the backs and hopefully others are able to to make. I just there were so many times that like obviously we were playing with what looked to be three at many times, especially against Morocco, but even against Uruguay as well. Um, and just, it felt so narrow at times between those three. I really wanted some, and it felt like not many people, at least when I was, I was really focusing first half, second half. I, I did dull off a little bit, getting ready for my own championship soccer game. I'm not going to lie, but it seemed as if I, I would have wanted some of those players, Scally, Long, Zimmerman, Yedlin, 
to step up with the ball. I felt like there was so much rotation of the ball between the back three. And if one of them would just take some space and maneuver the defenders and then play Tyler and back to Zimmerman, I just, I saw so many opportunities for that. I felt like it was just not very taken. And you need center backs that are willing to step up and go forward with the ball um, and not just rotate between the three and four back and forth. No, and I think that's that's kind of exactly I, I would agree with that full fold, which is is it was one of my main criticisms of the starting lineup of that game is that and and you know kind of the potential World Cup starting lineup of Zimmerman, Long, and Adams as two center backs and a six, it doesn't offer you really any sort of progressive passing or even under pressure passing from you know from out out, out the back, but it's a fascinating conundrum. And, 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 you know, is it solved by putting a ball playing center back in? Is it solved by putting in a ball playing six? Is it solved by putting in a double pivot with, with two sixes? You know, is it solved by change of formation? I don't know the answers to this. And, and I, I really hope that we continue to experiment a little bit because I think what this game showed you is that at a higher level, you know, those three players or in this system are not particularly suited to play out from the back. And that's okay, but we need to then suit our structure to the player pool rather than trying to shoehorn players into a structure, if that makes sense. 100%. 100%. So we'll see how, how that evolves. Because obviously this was a good showing of maybe how we're working and what he's thinking in front of, in between long and Thurman might not be the best to be getting out of against opponents like this. Can those two probably defend well and, and, you know, win tackles, aerial duels, be strong in the, in, you know, get stuck in good organization at times. Sure. But offensively it does lack. Um, another player I wanted to mention in terms of negatives before we hop into some positives, um, obviously as many noted, didn't love Paul Ariola's performance in the second half. And nope. I mean, Not we're going to talk about obviously the player he took out. I mean, you know, maybe he, de- maybe he deserves some minutes to see. I mean, I'm personally more happy that it was Ariola than Morris. And I think it's noted that Morris hasn't played a single minute yet. Um, so maybe, you know, he's understanding that Morris and the Achilles is just not there yet. Ariola has been hot. He probably deserves some of these minutes, but yeah, just didn't, you know, he definitely struggled at times. And in, he's not the combining winger, obviously, that Wea is. And you see the, the offensive input and fluidity sometimes drop down because of it, you know. And he, he, definitely, he definitely struggled a little bit, you know, not, not to, be frank, to be frank. No, yeah. I, I mean, I think we have to be honest about, you know, when players that we made, we made, like, a little bit. And, and I've... I love Paul. But yeah. I've had mixed feelings about Paul Ariel's play, but... I think, look, I think what this game showed is, is exactly what we've, we've seen from Paul Ariola in the past time and again, where he's going to do the Paul Ariola stuff. He's going to gonna run around, he's going to work hard, and, and he's going to, you know, have a couple moments where, I mean, his best moment of the match came when he won the ball off a tackle. That was icy. In, in the final third. It was a great, great moment. And then <laughs> that was picked, cool. And then he picked an iffy pass, probably could have carried a little bit longer. But it was still a decent pass. And then, you know, the attack kind of fizzled from there. But, I mean, that kind of shows you what you get with Paul Ariel. Like, you're going to get somebody who can press pretty well. You're going to get somebody who's going to run and make the runs and work hard. But the the final product is not there at this level. And the dynamism, I think, that you get, especially from a guy like Tim Wyatt, is not there. 
I mean, let's talk about Tim Weah, Sumer, because that's really the comparison we're making here is Paul Ariola to Tim Weah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just want to say one thing on Paul is obviously if Paul is going to be touted as one of the guys who's obviously not starting, but he's going to be a super sub, like the play has got to be like, if that's going to be our super sub, that's probably not going to cut it. Like, unless we're, I mean, if, if it's, if we're up one, nothing and we just want this guy to be a nuisance, maybe sure. But in terms of, Oh, we need a goal. Like how is, how is his skill set going to get that for us? against certain teams that are really high caliber. Like they're not, they're going to be like, okay, this guy runs a lot and he's fast and he's aggressive, but like, there's not much like class in the final third with this guy uh, at times on the international level. Uh, but yeah, Wea, sexy. And he's so fluid. And so, um, you know, I, I absolutely love him to, to so much and his movement off the ball, his runs, his swagger is really something that comes out when he plays. Um, I wish he would do more stepovers and turn into more of like an Allen St. Maximum player. That's kind of what I want to see him transition into, but don't know if I will. But yeah, Wea just is, is on some hot form right now. And he has the potential to be a really big player for us in, in November and, you know, could take the, the moment by storm, I really feel, um, and really show out at the World Cup. So I'm really excited to see him just continuously grow, start strong with Lil. Please stay healthy. Uh, and looked good against Uruguay in 46 minutes and just in terms of, uh, you know, some aspects. Yeah, I, I think Tim Wea was alongside Yunus Musa, our best player in the first half. I thought almost everything we did well offensively came down that right flank through both Yunus Musa being in the, you know, right-sided midfield half space and then Tim Wea, you know, getting on the overlapping runs or, drawing players out of possession to allow Yedlin to occasionally get forward. I, I think, look, Tim Weah, like there, there's, there's so much I can say about him. Dynamism is just, I, I know I said it before, it's the first word that comes to mind. I think it's, he's so explosive in his movement and his ability to accelerate on the ball and off the ball. And, and the one knock I might have on him is, is I, wish, I wish he had a little bit more of a left foot and could could show some impotence to kind of cut inside a lot of the time. I know a lot of time he does the step overs, and then it's kind of predictable he's going to go down the line. And I think that happened once or twice against Uruguay. But overall, he has a knack though of doing that and somehow getting the ball across. I mean, the Polisic goal against Mexico looked like it was covered, and then he he just hits it in a certain way. And I don't know, he has a knack for always, oh yeah, you know, lots of times doing the very similar move, but still getting it done. And oh, I think it's, I think it's due to his quick release and everything. And when he plays the ball, it's so quick. It's like, boom, 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 boom. Like when he makes the decision to go down the line, it's go. And sometimes they don't, they can't keep up maybe to, you know, to what I think I see on the TV. Uh, but yeah, so strong from way. I mean, you talked about the shine, shine, you know, the shining players, my shining moment of the game. I just want to say was um, when Aronson got his leg tangled up with the Uruguayan player. You know, that was, I haven't seen that in a little while. Have you ever that. had that happen to you before where you're have, like, you get a, a, a stud caught in a shoelace you have? I I have had it to happen to me. That's why it was so crazy. Cause I've had that happen to me in soccer and been like, what the hell just happened? How did my shoelace just get like into your shoe basically? And I didn't fall. There was, it wasn't like that where both players are going in opposite directions and basically start a tug of war match if they want to. But yeah, I have had that happen. I was just, that was really funny. I didn't even know what happened at first. I was like, what? And then saw the replay and was like, damn, that's funny. 
<laughs> oh, dude, I, I think it's great. I've had that happen to me once too, where um, somebody stepped on my shoelace. And like, it's one of those things where at first you're so mad because like, that's a cheap foul. The ball's nowhere near me. Like the ball's that way. I'm just trying to run. And you, you get so mad and you turn around and you look down and the other guy is also laying on the ground, like just with his foot next to yours. And you're like, oh, okay, we're just dumb. Like that's how that happens. All right. Cool. So, somehow, our, somehow our cleats just connected. What? That's funny. Yeah. But uh, I mean, what else did you like from this game? What did, I, was there anything else you, you, you really liked that you saw? I liked Yunus Musa. In, in, in certain aspects. Yeah, um, he was strong. He was there's strong. a real player in there, Sumer. And, and I mean, sometimes we forget this kid's only 19, and, and he could turn out to be a real get, let me tell you. Bro, so he makes me really excited to see. You know, there are times, obviously, as people already know, it's that, you know, the final product, how's he going to develop in that? But box-to-box, beating players off the dribble, confidence, IQ, runs, strength, he has all that. Can we get to the final third, and can we get to – you, you know, can I see you bang some goals? Maybe how Weston does. You know, Weston does score for Juventus. He's a player you can count on for goals and some assists. Can we see that with Musa besides just the – he does everything from box to box. I just want to see it inside of the box a little, little bit more, please. Hey, man. I mean, according to Hurt Gomez, he's a poor man's darling to Nagby. You see that yeah, but what, what – <laughs> did, you, did you see the whole Twitter exchange? I, I, I would love – Between I, him and Stu Holden? Did you see the whole thing? I'm, I did. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume – just, You're beefing a little bit. I'm going to assume that, you know, knowing what I know about Herc's soccer opinions, that it was bait. I hope. Because Herc is usually some, Herc Gomez is usually somebody that I, I really respect for their soccer opinions. And yeah, I hope thing. he gets on. I hope he gets on Football Americas and says something because that, I, I was just like, oh, it was, this is this is an interesting Twitter exchange I'm checking out right now between Stu and Herc. OK, you know what the funniest part about that is, like conceptually, though? That Darlington, Nag- that that Darlington Nagby, I can just picture him, you know, sitting on his porch, eating dinner, not a care in the world. All of a sudden, just looks at his phone and just catching strays from left field. Like, He's like, dude, I'm just trying to watch this game, and next <laughs> thing you know, Herc throws my name out there, and I'm getting blown up in the DMs. Like, why do you think this? This man is just catching hands from random places at the moment, and I think it's hilarious. But. Mm. Look, Uruguay game on its head. I, I think it's a great learning experience, like I said earlier. And, and I think this whole camp, to a degree, is a little bit of a camp roundup. I, I think camp, to, to a degree, is a learning experience. Experience, And I, and I hope that we were able to take these friendlies and, and, you know, go into them with an open mind, come out of them with an open mind, too. A lot of things worked. A lot of things didn't. Give me, give me one thing that you think worked more than anything. Like the one thing, one positive that one positive takeaway from this whole camp or from this whole friendly series that you that you picked up. I mean, I'm, I hope I'm not stealing yours, but obviously my main thing is going to be Aronson at the eight, the ability to potentially have a different style of play, style of player in that position, whether it's you know whether it's Musa out or Weston out. I also think it potentially gives us even more of a chance to just have more of those creative wingers that we really like on the field. And if, for God's sakes, we somehow ever put Weya up top at the nine, then to have Pulisic, Weya, Gio, and Aronson all on the field at the same time would be crazy. So um, I just was really happy to see that. And it gives us a lot of fluidity in what can be done. I, I think that was, that was definitely one that I had locked up, but I'll go to my second one. And it's a bit more of a 
you know, motivational run through a brick wall kind of kind of positive, but the kids can hang. The kids can hang is is the one positive that I kind of got from this, right? We haven't seen them against CONCACAF opposition. And while there are good and bad moments from each game, I I didn't think even in the Uruguay game, I didn't think for a second that we were thoroughly outclassed. No, we held our own for sure. We held our own. I mean, zero zero scoreline, however you want to say it, they couldn't put the ball in the back of the net against us. Um, and those kind of things, that confidence, that knowing, that ability is super important. You know, we ever go up against Uruguay again, it's like, okay, we, you know, we weren't at our A game either. Uh, a, a, a game either. So, right. You know, big, and I think that's ups. a massive positive to say that, you know, the kids, the kids, kids can do it. Kids can do it. Um, For sure. Any, any, any striking negative you want to take away from it? I realize that we probably should have done negatives first because. It would, it's going to suck to end on, on end on a negative note. I mean, I talked about, I mean, I talked about Scally. I talked about Paul Ariola. Um, I talked about Johnson's, you know, some feet issues. Uh, we talked about Adams, you know, building out a little bit. Um, I felt like we talked about most of them. I mean, the topic, the big topic is going to be obviously the nine. I mean, Ferreira got the nod again up top. Uh, this time went past halftime and got to the 61st. Um, so, Still interesting to see. I mean, obviously, I know he's red hot in MLS, but, like, that's two games there that he wasn't able to bag a goal when, you know, one, we needed one, and two other players were really scoring. So, if he's staying for Granada and El Salvador, I want to see a goal, bro. Yeah, not agree. I think that's that's definitely something, too. Um, to kind of echo that a little bit, I think the one, you know, learning takeaway. We'll call them learning takeaways, not negative takeaways. Learning takeaways to take away from this. Um that there is a lot to be done when it comes to the depth pieces outside of the midfield, I think. Big drop-offs all around the pitch when it's not, when the, you know, the, the eight and the six aren't considered. The wing, the wing positions. And granted, this is without a healthy Reyna. Um, this is without some other players, too, that, that could potentially step up and, and be an actor on those wings. But I think from a fullback perspective especially, there's a question about depth there. I think this team was missing depth, especially against Uruguay, and and was it was a notable drop off from from Jedi. And when when Jedi Robinson came in in the second half, I thought he was one of our best players against Uruguay. So there is a bit of a, a drop off there, and and I would really like to see more players given opportunities to to maybe cement a spot in any remaining friendlies or camps that we have going forward. Agreed. Horvath needs to get a game. Yep. He needs yep. to get one of these games. Uh, we are definitely missing, you know, we're missing players, but it's good to see Scally get some minutes. Good to see Long, just whether it's good or bad, but, you know, we need to see him out. And maybe this, we don't know how, you know, Berhalter will take these two games. Maybe those were his two games to try out, and maybe he's not happy, you know. Um, Yedlin, you know, where are we at that? How, how, how more impressed was he of Scally? Maybe. You know, we have no idea how he took some of these performances. So just the fact that some of these guys were, were kind of, you know, getting their trial runs and seeing, we were seeing more of Jesus. We were seeing Haji. I thought there was a lot of positives. And with these next two matches, there's going to be even, even some more for sure. For yeah, sure. And, and I, I'm, I'm hyped for it. Let's go Nations League. Let's, let's get it done. Let's see the boys in action more. We got two more games. Two more, two games. more games. Yeah. I think that can uh, call, it a, call it a night for me, you know. Um, but yeah, any last words for you? You good? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Thanks, everybody, for uh, coming out. Exactly. Yeah, follow us on Twitter, 
OTB underscore official. Um, you know, we're going to start ramping this up a little bit more. So excited to have you guys all on board. And uh, yeah, let's let's go for these friendlies. What is it? Sunday, I think this next one is? Something like that, yeah. This weekend, I know that. All right, boys, thanks for listening. We'll see Thank everybody you. soon. Big moves coming this way.